Hello, everyone. This is Myra with Halipuli's Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga podcast. Halipuli is here to support you to step into life fully. As humans, we have a knowing deep inside us that life is meant to be a joyful journey. But what keeps us from that joyful journey? A lot of people are stressed and worried about the state of the world these days. What do you think about that, Claudia? Yes, it's something that uh, is very pronounced at the moment. And uh, yeah, I have a, a few questions that I'd like to ask you today, Maya, about view on how it is that we interact with what's happening in the world, not in our direct area, but when we know there's suffering happening in other places and from a yoga and Ayurveda perspective as well. So the first thing I wanted to ask is, how important is it to know what's going on in the world? Well, (laughs) it's an interesting thing. What's really important is that we know what's going on right here within ourselves. Maybe you've heard the expression that we create our experience from our inner world. So Ayurveda and yoga invite us to get to know our inner world. Uh, Do we need to know what's happening on the other side of the planet? No, we really don't. As a matter of fact, most often it's upsetting for us or it's disturbing for us. Do we need to have awareness of what's happening in our communities? We do. We do. And, and, and so how much of that do we need? Well, let, let me, let's think about this for a moment. There have always been people suffering on the planet. And sometimes there are people suffering next door to you. And sometimes there are people suffering on the other side of the planet. And certainly when wars break out and that one of the most valuable things that we can do is to be at peace within ourselves and offer support. And we can do that in many different ways. The thing is that what doesn't help anybody is to worry about it. Worry is one of the most harmful things that we can do to ourselves. And worry doesn't help anybody else. Let's say, though, that you hear something that somebody's having some difficult experience on the other side of the planet. And you sit with it, and then you feel inspired to do something. This is great. Do you you kind of see the difference there? So it's a matter of what we do with the information. I don't think we should stick our heads in the ground. I don't, that's not the idea here. But if I'm I'm not able to handle my own life, expanding my world, you know, to worry about what's going on the other side of the planet isn't going to help anything. And so, again, it's that we need to take care of our inner world and take care of what's around us and take care of our family and friends and our community. Then we can handle some exposure to what's going on in other parts of the planet. And then, yes, we can be inspired to to do something about it. Sometimes there's many things we can do from our home. But most importantly, keeping our energy up, because all of it is about our energy and our vibration. And if I'm at a low vibration, I'm not contributing anything to the other side of the planet where it's more difficult. 
But if I can keep my vibration high, then I can possibly have something to offer. And actually, I'm offering my vibration. It's that example of if you're at the top of the stairs and somebody else is at the bottom of the stairs, you don't want to go down the stairs for them. And so they're having difficulty, they're suffering. You don't want to go join that vibration. You want to put your hand out and offer them some support to come up the stairs. What can we do? Uh, what can we do to bring peace where there isn't? If I match that lower vibration, I'm in the middle of it. And then my ability to step out of it isn't necessarily any more than somebody else's. Yes, it's like the expression, be the change you want to see in the world. Absolutely, yeah. And we can see how the, you know, the news cycle, it it pulls people in. It's designed to do that. It's It wants the attention. That's what feeds it and feeds the advertisers and feeds everything else. So, um, you know, it's it's no wonder that people get drawn in and addicted to that news cycle. And then it's really an, an insatiable appetite that comes to have all of the information, to stay updated, and that gives people a feeling of safety because the ego wants to know. The more that it knows, the more it can have the illusion of being safe or feel justified in its position. And we know that's an illusion. Yes, <laughs> it certainly is. It certainly is. And so then then that lowers our vibration. You know, if we look at it in terms of the Mahagunas from Ayurveda, Sattva, Rajas, and Tamas, it's just, you know, we're we're sinking into that rajas and tamas, yeah, which, uh, you know, has a strong pull. And this is where, as human beings, we have a choice. We have the ability to move towards sattva. Yes. But when the mind is heavily programmed and, and uh, wrapped up in that particular line of thinking, and also being addicted to the the stimuli, you know, to the excitement of it. Even if it seems like it's something negative, there's an excitement that happens inside. Well, <laughs> years ago, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's still there. There used to be a website that came up early in the days of the internet, which was Turn Off Your TV. That was the name of the website. And now I think it's called Kill Your TV. Yeah. <laughs> and so but I just suggest you get rid of it. And again, uh, sit and have a conversation with your family or go for a walk. Yes. And it's like you mentioned, it's not about being ignorant or being apathetic. You're, if something's happening inside your own community and it's really impacting around you, then you want to have availability for that and be able to be as helpful as you can. But people have always suffered in different places and it's often just the media deciding where they want us to direct our attention to and not to be enslaved to that mm -hmm. right and to recognize that the world is much bigger than what's being presented on the media yeah. yes so what do you think about activism you know you hear something's happening you sit with it and maybe you really feel from a deep and balanced place that you 
that you want to do something about it. Um, you know, so when activists are, they feel that they're giving a voice to people who are suffering, who perhaps aren't able to protect themselves or speak for themselves. Well, I, I think it's important that we have the right to do that. Very important. But again, we can always look at what's the energy I'm doing that with. I can remember some things I was involved in early in my life and I was angry about it. And sometimes perhaps it takes that. But if I'm just angry about everything, my vibration has lowered now, almost to the level of the suffering, right? And we don't have to match that suffering in order to offer support to it. So perhaps there's a way, yeah, ways that we can do that without getting angry. In other words, having some peaceful kinds of activism. And yes, of course. We have India where it is today because of the changes that Gandhi promoted. And that was took a lot of courage to do that and a lot of clarity. Yeah, so I think it's important to have clarity around whatever you do choose to do. When there is something big and current happening in the world, like the war that's happening at the moment, you know, the, <laughs> It's the squeaky wheel that gets the oil, the, the loudest voice. And it's apparent that people with the loud voices are, they're very adamant to take a side and reduce things to black and white and right and wrong. And, you know, we know it's always more complicated and nuanced than that. Why do you think humans have this inclination to reduce things to black and white? Can right and wrong ever be that simple? Well, Perhaps it has something to do with our education these days. We may be doing a little bit more of that right now because our education system has us memorizing and looking for the right answer, right? That all that matters is the right answer. And when we have people who have differences of points of view, they have different ways of living and that, then our job is to find a way to be together at peace. Well, why do humans do it? Well, they do it because they're in fear. And I, I want you to do things my way because that's what's going to make me comfortable. <laughs> and, and what we find out is that we're never comfortable. We're always in fear. Uh, so we don't have to always be in fear. But then we need to allow process in life. These days, mm, people again, want that answer. Just give me the right answer and I'll leave it alone and move on with my life. And some of it too is our way of living today is so oriented toward convenience, as if we have something more important to do than to be in life. And to do that relating with others and find out you know, what, what are our differences and how can we live together peacefully? A lot of the conflict going on today in the world isn't really about what shows on the surface. There are much different motives from greater powers that are having a big effect on, on what's going on. So one of the things that I find to be important is that don't, don't just take things uh, on the surface. Is that you know, We need to look at you know, what, what are the real motives and 
if we talk about the Middle East, I mean, this goes back thousands of years. But as to why now and what happened and those kinds of things that got this going again, there are probably, you know, other forces at work here. I don't think we need to try to figure it out. I think we need to see what can we do in our lives to bring peace and not feel like we have to take sides and see what we can do to to support in whatever way we feel is appropriate. Yeah. Hmm. How do you think, yeah, well, yes, you've answered that already, really, how how we can be most helpful while others are yeah. suffering. We can be critical in our own thinking and raise our own vibration. Yeah. And open-minded. And open-minded. Do you think that the reporting style on a current affairs has changed in more recently or in the last decade or two decades? <laughs> Dramatically, yes. In my lifetime, I'm not sure that I could pinpoint a time, but I can say that journalism used to be recognized as something that was there was at least some attempt for independence in it. I grew up in the United States, so we're humans. There's going to be some slant, but definitely in the last 20 years, it's uh, changed quite dramatically. Uh, yeah. To be biased or have a greater agenda or speak for a voice of interests of advertisers and things like that? Yes. Uh, to not necessarily be presenting all sides of something you know, so that, that the reader could actually make their decision or make their choices, which there did used to be a degree of that. And, and uh, rather than it being uh, things that are just quoted as facts, when there's not any appropriate backup to that, yeah, it appears to be a lot of opinion coming from other sources rather than from the individual who's doing the writing. Yeah. There are a few independent journalists around that are uh, attempting to do some writing in that to show the bigger picture and not just to show one small slice of what's happening. And something that you, you touched on before, I'll just see if there's anything else to share on this that, you know, tribes and men have waged war since the beginning of time. Do you think that there ever can be peace? I think that we can each experience peace inside on a daily basis. And if you just reflect on that for a moment, think about how much of your week you spend in turmoil within, in your mind. Mm. Uh huh? How many hours of your, how many of your waking hours? We'll just talk about the waking hours now. <laughs> Who knows what goes on in the sleep, yes? So if you, if you look at that and you think, well, if I were to change that by 50%, what difference would that make in my life? And what difference would that make in my interactions with those around me? And just if everyone did that, it would change. And so there are cycles of humanity that we talk about from the Vedas. And there have been times 
in the cycles of humanity where that was definitely more the case. So do I think that it will ever be just, is it gonna, everything stop one day in that? No, not necessarily. A part of our human experience is that we come with karma. We come with our impressions from the past and we're here to work through them. So there's not one place to get to. Do I think there can be peace? Uh, yeah, again, can I have it inside me right now? <laughs> this is where the practices of Ayurveda and yoga are so important. You know, they provide us the tools. And whether you take those tools and you operate in a religion or some other area, the tools will give you a foundation. They give us a framework to work with that helps us understand our humanness and to recognize that life is in the process. There's not one place to get to. We hear these expressions, all I have is the moment, all I have is, well, yes, that's exactly it. So now what do you want to do about it? And then that's when sometimes we need some help when we we have a mind that's been poorly trained, watching television and watching the news every single day and, and only thinking about ourselves and never thinking about anything that's around us. And so if we can just shift those things just a little bit. And when I, when I speak about considering those around us, I'm not talking about trying to control how other people behave but rather to, to see the spirit in them, to be able to be with them in a way that uh, allows for our own living and allows for their living. From yoga, this is the practice of ahimsa, which we call nonviolence, but there's much more to it than that word in English. It's very limited. It's something that it can be a thread that's all the way through life. And it makes life much more enjoyable. So Myra, as a woman of Jewish descent, do you feel any connection to Israel and what's unfolding there now with Palestine? Uh, yes, a certain degree, I do. I, I don't know that it's something that I can explain. It's a feeling inside, you know, it's, it's that connection you know, to, when my grandfather would sit and talk to me about we come from one of the original 12 tribes and so on and so forth, mm, do I feel a connection to what's happening right now? Uh, you know, it, it definitely touches a place in me. Uh, personally, I see it as such a screwed up mess. <laughs> and partly because of interference from outside forces. I feel like the people there would work things out, but the other countries have their nose in it. A guy gave a, a few minutes of, of some history. You know, he went back quite a few thousand years and just started talking about that area and all the movements and so forth. And so perhaps we can look at it uh, that we all have strengths and weaknesses. And when we learn to work together, then that can get optimized rather than rather than being made into a problem. 
you know, so rather than being made into haves and have nots and all of that. Yeah. You know, my father used to spend time in, in Israel starting in the 60s, and he was a member of a kibbutz. Later on, I actually went there because I always wondered, where the heck is he going? What's he doing there? <laughs> and it was interesting to meet the people because the older folks, the folks in, in his generation were there still. It was simple in that it was, let's find a way to live life. These were not extreme religious people, though. I think that brings up a really interesting point, which is when we get into extremes in any of our thinking is when we get into trouble. This is something that we talk about in Ayurveda. Uh, excess extremes is just not the answer. And uh, we usually go into extremes because we're in fear. Yeah, you know, I want to control something. Why? Because I'm in fear. <laughs> and, uh, we can say that fear is, is the greatest enemy of humanity. Yeah. That's what came up for me then when you were speaking. I was thinking about how really it's that desire to control others that's the problem because there wouldn't even be a need for the border if people were happy for each other to live out their faith as they wished. You don't need to have all the people on this side praying to Allah and all the people on this side praying to God. If as long as people didn't want to control each other, they could happily live side by side. Yeah. And in the part of Israel where I mentioned this, this kibbutz and that, there was a lot of that going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I was wondering as well about the term um anti-Semitic as well because it's that thing where you know a lot of the people that have gone to Israel or a lot of Jewish people they're not extreme or they're not super religious people but there's that complexity of being a Jew it isn't really even just about the religion it's also like a cultural national thing and like you said it's quite hard to explain but yeah what do you think about this term sometimes I feel like it gets thrown around a lot and it can be a little bit hard to understand. Well, I don't know. I might not have the experience with it that you have. I mean, I, I've used the word when someone decided they didn't want to be around me because I was Jewish. I had a mother-in-law like that one time. She thought Jewish people were bad, and so therefore, and, and, you know, and I've been, been practicing Jew for, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know how people use it, really. Most of us think of it as heritage more than anything else that I can think of anyway. And so on either side of that, my grandfather and my grandmother in particular, you know, and my father to a certain degree also experienced things being taken away from your family, for example. And so would there be a reason to have that expression? I suppose. I don't know. Yes. In times like now when things are really political and it gets heightened, things get misused and weaponized. And mm -hmm. yeah. And well, the final question I'll ask you is another possible scenario with all of this is that all sides and all of the politics are really one which we call the darkness you know some people would say that there is that level where they're all connected and they want to control everyone and keep civilians 
weak and distracted. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that kind of organized evil exists and is thriving today? I don't know that I'd call it evil, but do I think there's some people who would like to control and has our living become so based in the economy rather than living? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious. It's not like it's hidden. <laughs> it's information that's available. And then you can see if you pay attention, a little, just a little bit even, how information gets shaped. And so then it's kind of a matter of back to what we started with today, which is how much do you want to expose yourself to and how important is it? And what do you want to be able to do? If you're moving through your life, feeling like you're just skimming the surface and there's always too much to do and you're feeling harried about it, then why in the world do you need to be paying attention to what's going on on the other side of the planet? Well, are there dark forces that would like you to do that? Yes, of course there are. And so our job is to not do it. (laughs) That's it. And we all have the power not to do it. We recognize it. And again, it's out in the open. It's not like it's hidden. In other words, there's information that will tell you about a handful of individuals that are owning the majority of properties and businesses and so forth. So then we just have to recognize the power of our energy. Sometimes I think, gosh, you know, maybe we need to get in the streets and back to the activism. Yeah. (laughs) I have a little bit of that in my chart. (laughs) But this is part of why I do what I'm doing. I, I do it because of the Ayurveda and yoga. Guiding people toward sattva and teaching people to be more aware of their energy and showing them how to do that. That's what will move us in that direction. In order to do that, I'm having to have a business. Did I really want to have a business like this? No, (laughs) not at all. But it's the best way I know how. Mm. Yeah. And it demonstrates to people that we can have a small business and we can thrive. Yeah. We just have to keep the motive as clean as possible. And are there forces that want to make that go away because it bothers them. (laughs) Yeah, there are, but that doesn't mean we have to submit to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Life is much, much bigger than most of us think. But if we can go beyond that thinking, then we start to see what the real possibilities are. And, you know, talking about war and suffering and that kind of thing, and I personally haven't been through it in, on, on the outside, right? I came later, a little later than that. But the stories and the, and the things that, that people that I have known have experienced and what they move through, even with a war, if we choose to, we can find something good in it, right? Just like everything else in life, all the difficulties are there for us to find something beneficial from it and to find a way to move beyond it right and there's incredible stories of people particularly jewish people coming out of europe getting out of europe during during world war ii and things like that oh my goodness 
And so we all have that in us. It's just a matter of, uh, am I willing to stand up for it? So when you have things on a daily basis and you think, oh my goodness, how am I ever going to make it through this? You will. We figure it out, right? That's life. Today, right? And then we say, oh, wow, I worked my way through that. Great. Yeah, and I learned this, this, and this. Great. <laughs> That's how we grow. It takes those experiences in order to build the confidence to have success. People think that maybe they have to have successes in order to build confidence. I don't think so. I think it goes by the other way around. Yes, I think one of the first personal development books I ever read was The Road Less Traveled. <laughs> and one of the first parts in the book is talking about how life is a series of problems. If you accept that and embrace the challenges, you'll be happy. But if you're <laughs> surprised and annoyed every time a problem comes, then you'll be miserable. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Again. Life is meant to be a joyful journey. And all of it is about our energy and our vibration. In Ayurveda, we understand that we each have a unique constitution. Halipuli's tridoshic approach is ideal for families and supports multiple constitutions. You can cultivate sattva in cooking, knowing that you're making meals that support everyone's constitution. Subtle adjustments may be required, but it doesn't need to be a stress point. To learn our Trodoshic approach to create nourishing meals, join Simple Ayurvedic Cooking with Halipule. Their recipes are easy, delicious, and will leave you feeling energized. And the link to join is in our show notes.